Great to have you here on the Clark Howard Show, where it's all about you and that wallet of yours. I want you to learn ideas from me so you can save more and spend less. And don't let anyone ever rip you off. Clark.com is our main website. ClarkDeals.com is where we post bargains for you, deals around the clock. So I have a follow-up for you coming in today's Clark Rageous Moment about Equifax, the people who created the most serious data breach in the history of the modern era, something they have just done that has put your identity at greater risk yet again. And that's coming up in the Clark Rage. And later, I have an update for you on the uh, Boeing 737 MAX aircraft that is grounded around the world and what that's doing to airfares, when it's going to go back in the air, and new scandals enveloping Boeing involving that aircraft. I want to talk right now about something that I shared with you when it was just an idea that is now starting to happen, and that is Walmart attempting to become a significant player in healthcare in the United States. Walmart is the largest private employer. Are they the largest private employer in the world? They are at least in the United States. They have an enormous bill for providing health care to their employees. And the Walmart customer base, a lot of people don't have a primary care physician or medical professional that they see. A big number don't have health insurance. And so Walmart is experimenting with something way beyond those little clinics that are inside a CVS or a Walgreens. What's known as a Walmart care clinic is something that Walmart is opening initially, 20 of them. They've opened 20 of them around the country. And if they can get the bugs worked out of it, they're going to open these steadily around the country. Why is it different? What Walmart is doing is they're offering in the care clinics comprehensive medical services, not just somebody coming in for the very limited services that might be available inside a clinic and a Walgreens or CVS. They're offering traditional primary care medical services, dental care labs, x-rays, optometry, hearing tests, um, nutrition, and they also accept most major insurance. The clinics are open much longer hours than traditional doctor's offices. And what I love about it is one of the things that's so missing in American medicine, instead of fighting like the medical industry does now, giving you price transparency so you could comparison shop, Walmart in their care clinics is offering clear, comprehensive, easy-to-understand price charts where you can see what you pay to go in. An annual checkup, 30 bucks for an adult, 20 bucks for a kid. Follow-up for a chronic condition, 40 bucks. You know, one of the big cost centers in medical care is when someone with a chronic condition 
doesn't go to see the doctor or specialist they need to see to manage that condition, whether it's diabetes or any other chronic condition. And so in order to bend the price curve of medicine, Walmart is doing something that the medical industry it just doesn't care about. And individual uh, doctors may care, but the industry does not care about what is going on with making sure that people are getting continuity of care for a chronic condition. You know, the changes in healthcare are going to have to come from outside pressure because the industry itself is far too resistant to change. And so you've got Amazon and Chase Bank and I'm trying to think who the third player is and their consortium that are trying to figure out new ways to provide health care that will be more efficient with pricing clearly stated so that people know what they're going to pay and what they're going to get. I think about all the problems we hear about both on air and off air from people who were being dunned for bills that they didn't even know they were going to have and or the amounts were going to be anything like they were and the medical industry has to reform they're not reforming from the inside the pressure is going to have to come from outside as to whether or not walmart will execute this well um don't know We'll see with time if they do, but it's fascinating looking at the price chart goes page after page where with ever, whatever you're doing, you see what it's going to cost. They're even offering counseling services for people who need to see a counselor about uh, uh, emotional things they're dealing with or uh, mental health issues. They have counselors in these facilities, and they state the price straight up for that. By the way, the third company I forgot in the joint venture with Amazon and Chase is Berkshire Hathaway, the company owned by Warren Buffett. These three very large employers trying to see how they can affect the costs that they have for their employees for health care and the quality of the care their employees expect that they're going to have good care today maybe maybe not in the healthcare industry so we need this outside pressure to force a focus inside an industry that is absolutely broken accounts for roughly 20 percent of american wealth every year and the cost for 20 is another number that's important Average family health coverage in the United States in 2020, well, more 20s, is going to be over $20,000. And the cost side is where the problem is first that must be addressed in health care. And you got to know that the major hospital systems around the United States buying up practices, raising the rates so high doing no disclosure of pricing except reluctantly as required by lawsuits or court actions or anything like that, and then not giving real information, we've got to break this cartel that's forming around the United States in each major metro area 
where typically two to four hospital systems end up with a chokehold on medical care in a metro area. And this is going to bring great harm to America and our competitiveness in the world and to individuals and families that will face budget-busting bills or neglecting their own health to avoid those bills. Michael is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hello, Michael. Hello, how are you? Great, thank you, Michael. You want to talk about a company that is on a fantastic roll after a couple of years seeming kind of lost in the wilderness. What company is that? That's Apple. Apple has so much momentum behind it right now because of the tremendous success of the launch around the uh, uh, iPhone 11, and that has led to a great deal of optimism in people who own Apple stock, and also for the company getting some market share back around the world where it's really lost so much. You know, we think about Apple as an American company, but we're 4% of the world's population, and Apple fights for market share in all the countries of the world. But you're interested in something not involving the phone, right? Or it does involve the phone, right, in, as well. What's that? Yeah. Well, first I want to thank you, you and your team for all the work you do. Your shows really changed my life and my relationship with money, so, so thank, thank you. My um, pleasure. Yeah, and I wanted to get another credit card because I'd heard it would increase my credit score. And because I'm, I'm pretty steeped in the Apple ecosystem, I was thinking of the Apple card, the credit card from Apple. And I wanted to find out, had, had you heard anything about good or bad about it? Yeah, so the Apple card is a very simplified offering that as long as you pay for things using Apple Pay, you get 2% back on everything you do pretty much. So if you're someone who has, do you have an Apple Watch? I don't have an Apple Watch, but I have a, you know, a phone and an iPad and everything else. So. You're going to find that, you're, that part of the whole design of this is that you're drawn to get an Apple Watch in addition to having the iPhone if you sign up for the Apple credit card. Because if you don't pay through Apple Pay, then you only get 1% cash back. And 1% cash back is really not very special. So in your case, if you go all in on using Apple Pay, do you use Apple Pay already with other cards? I do, yes. So you're familiar with it. It's easy to use. If you go all in doing Apple Pay, then having the Apple card really works. Um, there's two alternatives that you don't have to worry about how you pay and that's the city double cash card that's two percent cash back on everything and then if you have do you have any accounts with fidelity investments i do yes every retirement account so fidelity has a two percent cash back card that it doesn't matter how you pay you get the two percent cash back and you can have that two percent flow right into your retirement account at fidelity Oh, that's great. You haven't heard anything good, good or bad other than it's not, maybe not the best cashback? No, no, no. As long as you do it through Apple Pay, you're good. It's just you wouldn't want to use it anywhere that you can't use Apple Pay because the 1% right. so mediocre. But the 2%, 2% is the goal. That's what you want is you want 
2% cash back when you use a card. And, you know, Apple has joined that parade, but with that restriction that the 2% is based on using Apple Pay. So as long as you're comfortable with that, you're in Apple's system very heavily, then getting Apple Pay seems to make a lot of sense tied in with the Apple Card rather than Apple Pay tied in with some other card. Okay, that's right. Well, maybe I'll buy an Apple Watch with my Apple Card. Exactly. That's what they're hoping you'll do is that people will be running all over the country this Christmas season rushing to buy Apple Watches so that they can tie them in with the Apple Card. Catherine's with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hi, Catherine. I want to diversify my retirement investments just a bit. bit. I'm very mainstream. Um, I've been invested in um, target retirement funds and general low-cost stock funds and one of your favorite companies. But I'm really interested in renewable energy, and I want to know whether there is an option for me to invest in renewable energy within my Roth IRA that's going to have decent returns and low expenses because I just do not, you know, I'm, I'm with you. I like to keep the expenses super low. And this isn't something I can do through my 401k at work because our expenses are high. So I only put in the minimum and I don't want to do anything through that um, company. Um, I want to just think about Roth IRAs and renewable energy. So with renewable energy, there are a number of exchange-traded funds that specialize in a focus on renewable energy or what is often referred to as clean energy. The clean energy ones incorporate um, nuclear power as well, usually. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. most of them have extremely high expenses because they are Mm. specialized funds. But one of them has decent costs. And it's from iShares. If you've heard of iShares, they're one of the three big issuers of exchange-traded funds. And Uh they have one called the Global Clean Energy ETF. Global Clean Energy ETF. Okay. The expenses are still higher than I like. It's uh, approximately Mm -hmm. 0.45, 0.47 right in there. Mm -hmm. But it is the best thing going right now that I'm aware of for investing in clean energy, if that's a particular focus you have, there's no doubt that clean energy is going to take steadily more market share and power manufacturing around the world or power production around the world. It's hard to know, though, who's going to be successful at it and who's not. And that's the advantage of going into an exchange-traded fund where you own little pieces of many different companies in that industry. Today's Clark Rageous moment is one of those things I just shake my head at. We had a caller recently who called very distressed that when they went to thaw their credit, they had frozen with Equifax. Equifax said, oh, we don't need your pen anymore. We don't use those anymore. And so we reached out to Equifax and got a written statement from Equifax saying that in an effort to enhance this quote, the security of consumer data, We changed how we authenticate consumers before we disclose any information or make any changes on their credit file. As a part of these enhancements, a specific PIN number is no longer required. Okay, this is crazy. Equifax, that because of their gross negligence, the personal information of two-thirds of American adults is out there forever for criminals to be able to traffic in, has 
removed one of the best precautions in place, a secret code only known to you that protects your credit being frozen, and now a criminal with access to the kind of information that's on the internet about you and me can call up and talk them through thawing somebody's credit and giving a criminal the ability to apply for credit as if they're you. It is absolutely Clark-rageous. Equifax is wrong on this, and I can't believe this soon after the egregious data breach, they would do something like this. Great to have you here on the Clark Howard Show, where it's about your empowerment with knowledge so you can keep more of what you make. Hey, by the way, if you've not heard, there's this cool deal for you if you're on Verizon Wireless, where you can get a free year of Disney's new Disney Plus streaming product that launches in just a few weeks. And we've got full details how you take advantage of that as a Verizon Wireless customer on Clark.com. It's our main story right now because people are clicking on it like crazy. So this is really upsetting to talk about, particularly for people who get anxious flying. You know, I love flying. Um, I fly about 30 weeks out of 52 each year. I'm somewhere. And the stuff going on with Boeing with the 737 MAX, the new version of the uh, of the 737, which uh, has long been the workhorse of the airline industry, had some design flaws that led to a system being put on it to help the plane deal with a balancing problem because of the size of the engines and the location of engines that were put on this new version of the 737 known as the max well as we now know the software fix to deal with that balancing problem ended up causing two horrific crashes and people lost their lives in a brutal brutal frightening series of minutes when pilots had no control of these planes and they kept going up and down like dolphins jumping in the ocean and the planes crashed and it was just terrible and there were initial whispers that it was because the pilots didn't know what they were doing and were poorly trained with the airlines where the planes crashed and that had nothing to do with it. It was that this flight control system didn't work and in fact created the fatal crashes well now it came out that in 2016 boeing test pilots were exchanging messages about how unsafe the system was and how dangerous it was and there's going to be congressional hearings where sadly it looks like it's going to come out that management above just pushed the plane through, and ignored the warnings of the safety pilots. We'll see what comes out at the hearings. But the effects for you are these. So Boeing knew about these messages and never gave them to the FAA till last week. Kept them a secret. The FAA is under a cloud 
for having been a captive of Boeing and allowing Boeing to certify its own plane and just agreeing to whatever Boeing said. The result of that now is the FAA, which was long considered to be the gold standard for aircraft safety in the world, is now under a cloud. And the European safety regulators have said they're not going to just rubber stamp an approval by the FAA and allow these planes to go back in the air that now looks like it'll be sometime late winter, early spring of 2020 that the planes will go back in the air. Now, I will tell you that as upset as I am about all this, when the plane does go back in the air, I will be happy to fly on it because it's going to be so scrutinized and the three airlines that fly it in the United States, American United and Southwest, are not going to put that plane in the air if their own pilots are afraid of that aircraft or if there are still questions about the safety of that plane. So when it does go back in the air, I will fly on it. Now, I have no engineering background. I have no uh, qualifications to speak about whether uh, a particular aircraft is safe or anything like that. I can only tell you what has been going on with the plane, but I do believe that when there's as much coverage of something like this plane that when it finally does go back in the air it will be something that because of all the all the lives at stake and money at stake the future of Boeing the reputation of the FAA that it will be something that I'll feel confident to go fly on but as for you and me as consumers we're getting hurt in the wallet by it's nothing compared to the loss of life of the people who tragically lost their lives totally because of uh, absolute negligence on the part of Boeing and the FAA. And I just wonder, when's somebody ever going to go to jail for something like this? But anyway, the airfare picture in the United States is tickets are more expensive because of the grounding of these aircraft. It has lessened competition in the United States. And eventually that will solve itself next year when the plane is allowed back in the skies and American United and Southwest put them back into service. But this has been a tragic occurrence all the way around. And the thing that I'm stunned by, how does the Boeing CEO still have his job? A man who still hasn't been able to express remorse about the loss of those lives i mean what is going on there carolyn's with us on the clark howard show hi carolyn hey clark how are you today great thank you carolyn you did something absolutely exciting in your life (laughs) i did after a hundred years of paying mortgages (laughs) you own your home free and clear free and clear i do now, doesn't that feel great that the bank doesn't is, have any hold on you anymore? It is a huge relief. It is. I'm just happy to be at that point. It took a long time getting here, but I'm happy to be here. Well, how can I be of service since you've done something so great for yourself? Well, 
um, you can help me make a decision. I have, um, I am still paying homeowner's insurance on my home. And I know that um, the mortgage company requires me to do that. And now I don't think there's anyone that really requires me to carry homeowner's insurance except my fear that something would happen to my home. But my insurance company um, is charging me um, quite a high premium to insure my house, which they value at almost three times what I paid for it 15 years ago. So before I call them and try to negotiate um, either not paying for a while or um, perhaps uh, cutting out some expenses in the um, policy, I wondered if you would give me some talking points or give me your opinion of what I should do. All right. So I do get calls from people who, once they paid off their mortgages, they want to just dump their homeowner's insurance. And mm-hmm. I mean, you've worked hard to pay off the home. So I don't want you thinking that way, because if something happened with a fire or some other catastrophic loss and you've worked all these years to own your home free and clear, you're completely exposed and you lose all that value if it exactly. if it burns the ground or whatever. So I want you to keep it insured. So let's talk about things that you could consider doing. Okay. All right. So I want to go back to something you said about the uh, the amount they have it valued at at your insurers three times what you paid 15 years ago. And yes. the reason it would be so much more is the cost of construction in the United States has gone way, way, way up. And so also if you have a a home that's not a total loss but has a meaningful loss, the cost of rebuilding per square foot is much, much, much higher than what you paid for your home per square foot, right. even if you bought it today. Because right. when, when you have to repair or rebuild an individual home versus uh, was your home in a neighborhood where there was a production builder building many homes or was your home yeah. built... All right, so a production-built home is much cheaper per square foot to build than it is to rebuild following a partial or catastrophic or total loss. So you Uh, want to have the level of coverage that they're recommending you have. You want to have a lot. But what I recommend to anybody who's had the financial ability to pay off your home in full and you own it free and clear that the way you shave premiums is by taking a bigger deductible. What's your deductible right now? Oh, my goodness. That was the one thing. Let's see if it's... Most often, people will have $500,000. You know what? I have, it says wind and hail, 500 and all of the perils, 500 There we go. So the change that I would make is not considering going without coverage or reducing what coverage you would have, I would look at uh, what you can do to cut that premium by going to a much higher deductible. You don't want to use your homeowner's policy unless there's a huge issue anyway, and you may be able to cut your premium by roughly 30% by going to a much higher deductible. So that's really 
what I'd want you talking with your insurer about is getting that to that lower premium by you being your own insurer for the first so many thousands of dollars instead of the first $500. Try that. Craig is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hi, Craig. Hey, Mr. Clark. It's nice to talk to you. Well, great to have you here, and you're a son looking out for your dad. Is that right? Yeah, my dad lives in Jacksonville, Florida, and I live in Houston, Texas. And the idea is my dad is driving from Jacksonville to Houston, Texas for hunting season, and he wants to give me his old truck, and while he's here, he wants to buy a new truck. But the thing is, is he doesn't have good credit at all. And so I'm going to be the person that has to finance the truck and basically buy the truck. But I'm trying to figure out how can I buy the truck in Houston, Texas, and then have him maintain ownership of it and after hunting season drive it back to Jacksonville, Florida. Okay, that's actually pretty easy. So you would be, the easiest thing to do is you both own the truck. Both of your names go on the title. And you take out the loan, since you have good credit, and he pays you every month for the truck payment. And so, you know, he has bad credit because he's had trouble sometimes paying bills, right? You want to make sure that... Uh, Yeah, mainly... Yeah, so you want to make sure you're the actual borrower so you know those payments are getting made every month, even if he comes up short in a month. Because the alternative is you co-signing the loan for him, and if mm -hmm. he doesn't pay, you could suffer a triple whammy where your credit's ruined, you're responsible for the payments that haven't been made, and if he doesn't get around to telling you and the truck gets repossessed, you end up with a massive problem from a vehicle repo where in a vehicle repo situation, you end up responsible pretty much for the whole value of the loan, and he doesn't even have the truck anymore. Okay, so we'll go to the dealer, and the dealer is the person who puts us both on the title? Yeah, so you you buy it together. You both own it. Okay. You qualify so for the loan. we're doing it through a credit... Yeah, buying so, it through a credit union. Perfect. You get the loan from the credit union. You're responsible but for my the dad's loan. Not, but my dad's not going to be... Okay, so I'll be the only one tied to the credit union here in Texas. That's what I would like. I'm, yeah, and then he okay. he is the joint owner, domiciles it in Florida, registers it in Florida, and there's no problem with doing that. The, the loan officer at the credit union will help you do the whole thing in a way that you just lay out the scenario. You... You're buying it okay. with your dad. You're going to be responsible for the loan. He's going to be the vehicle he drives. He is going to be owning and operating it in Florida. Help us out with the right way to do the paperwork. And they do this kind okay. of stuff all the time. They'll get it done right. Okay. The one thing you but don't want to do is you don't want to co-sign a loan because that puts all the responsibility on you and a potential big burden on you. And you just have to know if you sign for that loan, no matter how you do it, 
You're responsible for making those payments, even if your dad can't. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Hey, listeners, whether you love true crime or comedies, celebrity interviews, news, or even motivational speakers, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue, right? And guess what? Now you can call the shots on your auto insurance, too. Enter the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. The Name Your Price tool puts you in charge of your auto insurance by working just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance. Then they'll show you a variety of coverages that fit within your budget, giving you options. Now, that's something you'll want to press play on. It's easy to start a quote, and you'll be able to choose the best option for you, fast. It's just one of the many ways you can save with Progressive Insurance. Quote today at Progressive.com to try the Name Your Price tool for yourself and join over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Kevin is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hi, Kevin. How you doing? Very good. Clark, yourself? Great. Thank you. So, Kevin, you're lucky enough to work at a place that still has a pension. And, yes, sir. And that is a very rare thing now. But you have a question that is potentially a life-changing thing if you get it wrong. What is it you have to decide? Well, uh, my, the way my pension works is I do have the option of a cash out or monthly payments. And basically, if I keep myself and then if something happens to me, my wife gets the same amount at 4200 a month. I get that for the rest of my life. And then she would get it for the rest of her life if I pass before her. Or they'll or, give you a giant upfront check that's more money than you've ever seen at one time ever in your life. Correct. Okay, so there's there's really kind of a test about this. It's based on health, the company's health and your health. If the company okay. is, you know, you've worked there for a long time, I guess, if you have that huge monthly pension check, um, if yes, you sir. if you feel confident that the company is financially strong, that would automatically make it something you should look at doing the um, monthly pension check. On okay. the other hand, if your health is very poor or your wife's health is very poor, then that would lend more towards taking the lump sum. Okay. So if either the company is not financially healthy or you are physically not healthy that would mean take a lump sum but almost always otherwise you want the monthly check because you could never you could never generate that kind of money on your own Uh uh-huh the way i understand it is they take the money and buy an annuity exactly exactly and then it's backed by the insurance company so if the insurance company you want to check the rating that they're rated a plus or A++ by AM Best, then it's okay. You're listening to The Clark Howard Show. Thanks for joining us today. The Clark Howard Show is produced by Kim Drobes, Joel Larsgaard, Deborah Reese, and Jim Ayers. And remember, 24 hours a day, we're there to serve you at Clark.com and ClarkDeals.com.